0: time to lace them up here's brett and steve if you weren't debating about who should win the most nhl awards with your pals you were probably researching the 24 teams that are still in the hunt if your team has nothing to play for until january 2021 the hype around the draft lottery on june 26 which we'll talk about next week probably led you to a draft simulation site and if you're a fan of the Buffalo Sabres, well, uh, the past seven days, you were probably just trying to stay away from the air net because a lot, a lot happened with this team and not so much of it was good news. Uh, Jason Botterill's vote of confidence has been erased because he is gone as GM and he wasn't the only one to leave Buffalo, New York that day. We analyzed every single change that was made by the Pagulas. All the unfinished business that remains in Buffalo, and if it's enough, to build a winner. Episode 224 of the Laced Up Podcast starts right now. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth.
1: I'm Brett Duboff.
0: Uh So a lot happened in the NHL uh, this week. Um yep there were a lot of uh, not a lot of players but there were some players who tested positive for COVID. three were on tampa yep and one of them might have been austin matthews but the least won't confirm that right. um and then you have the buffalo sabers that uh i don't know if you call it a fire sale bread but um they made a lot of changes to their front office
1: yeah um well first off i guess we should talk about the other news before we get into the sabers um news right now is uh, the fact that uh I think five of the uh Tampa Bay Lightning um were uh tested positive for COVID. Um and then we find out like an hour later. This is from Steve Simmons who has a history of not being right. Um but he also says Yeah, said so that- take
0: it with a grain of salt, but he Second. says Austin Matthews. He's um, reporting that Austin Matthews
1: has tested positive. Yeah um and so it would be a really bad thing to do if he got this wrong um it would make it a billion times worse than that phil kessel hot dog story a while ago so i'm I'm gonna say that austin matthews had it the issue though is that um like you're not really supposed to tell the public that you have this uh you have covid or you know that's kind of a bad thing to do from Steve Simmons point of view is outing Austin Matthews as the guy who has it cuz typically all the other players um, or every other team has said like oh a member of this team yeah they has they, don't right. they don't name drop people they don't name drop people so that if you're going to get on Steve Simmons then you can get it for him for outing Austin Matthews as having it Um, Obviously, we hope that Austin Matthews uh, survives this and all that stuff. And um, same for all the the people who got it from the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm at like a 15% chance of this actually, uh, this playoffs going on. Um, But uh, yeah, it's not looking good, I guess, but we'll see. Um, I think I just want to know more on what the nhl's plans are um if this happens or when this happens um during the playoffs like what's their contingency plan so that would be the main thing is like what precaution are they gonna take if someone has it um and how are they gonna stop spreading it so that's where it's bad the other thing i was thinking about was like how like the long-term effects of this all. Um, So we don't know yet of how bad the, like since coronavirus is such a new virus, um, we don't know the effects it will have on people who have it and are fine right now, but um, they could, you know, it could have some bad Health concerns, maybe sometime in the future, just because we don't know so much about it. So um, that is something to worry about for sure. But um, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you were saying that you wanted to call it off, um, even after these two news stories.
0: Yeah, I uh, man, in the heat of the moment, definitely. Um, I'm I'm not as confident now. Um, especially, you know, when you consider Florida, it's just been getting hammered with yep. the virus the past seven days. Like they had over like 3000 plus new cases in the state or something, which is a record no one wants to have. Um, so yeah, I, and, and Florida is apparently going to be the hub for the NBA games. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, there, there are a lot of question marks, uh, in the world of sports and, you know, uh, e- even if they are able to finish the season, um, the NHL is still gonna lose a fair amount of money. So they're just trying to limit the damage as they say.
1: Well, I did hear that they're like the host cities, um, like I think they're leaning towards maybe Canada uh, or at least uh, one Canadian city, maybe two Canadian cities Mm -hmm. uh, being there just because America is pretty bad right now. Vancouver um, and Edmonton so,
0: are actually doing pretty decent, yeah, and they're Vancouver, in the running. Vancouver,
1: Vancouver is like the fe- favorite there. Um, yeah, and then I think Vegas was the other one, but I think Vegas is also having issues now. Or Nevada, yeah, I so. think there
0: there's a bit of an uptick yeah. in cases there. Arizona, which right. is like close to that area, um, hasn't looked and too good presumably
1: either. Presumably, so. where how uh, Austin Matthews got it because Arizona. Yeah. Because he was in
0: Arizona, um, yeah. yeah. So, if, if he did get it, that's probably where.
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, we'll see, but, yeah, it's not looking good, and obviously we hope for the best for all these people. Um, mm-hmm. We can't lose Austin Matthews to coronavirus. It just can't happen. So. So
0: we can't lose any player, but, yeah, especially yeah. Austin Matthews.
1: Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the good news, though, is that it, it appears that you have less risk if you're a healthy person and you don't have an underlying health condition so um considering Austin Matthews is at the peak of his physical performance I think he's in he's good but you never know really so hopefully we we don't lose him though um all right so now we go to the actual the other story uh, that's been going on in hockey um and it's another Atlantic division uh team here too uh the Sabres They fired uh, Jason Botterill, as well as 12 of of their 21 scouts, Um, and that's including their assistant director of amateur scouting, Jeff Crisp. Um, This means that Kevin Adams takes over, um, and this is the eighth coach GM change since Lindy Ruff was fired in 2013 um, and I'm pretty sure that's when Terry Pakula, the owner, uh, took over um, for, for them as, um, as the Buffalo Sabres person. There.
0: Yeah, so uh, so uh, to, to clarify, in 2011, it was around that time where Pagula became the owner and uh, the tandem of Lindy Ruff and Darcy Regeer lasted from 1997 to 2013, a very long time um then regeer uh parted ways with lindy ruff and uh, rolston was the coach so him and regeer finished the 2013 campaign then regeer was cast aside ted nolan was the coach in 2013-14 but there was no gm at that time and uh then we go to 2014-15 where tim murray becomes the gm ted nolan's the coach then ted nolan is no longer the coach dan bilesma comes in and um the tandem of Bilesma and Murray lasts for two seasons, 2015 to 2017, both of them then get turfed. Phil Housley and Jason Brauterell uh, come in. They are a part of the picture from 2017 to 2019, that's a span of two years. Ralph Krueger then replaces Housley as coach and it's a tandem of Brauterell and Krueger for the 2019-20 season. Then Botterill's turf. So now Kevin Adams and Ralph Krueger are the GM coach champ in, in Buffalo. So uh, a lot of change since two thousand
1: thirteen. Yeah, that it's uh, it's pretty intensive too. It's it's weird, is that I mean that's also when we've we've all been following. But I didn't realize it was that many GM changes and coaches changes. But I guess it makes sense when I think about it. But um, yeah. we'll see
0: and and it should also be remembered um and buffalo fans will probably hate me for bringing this up but they know it's true uh the sabers have missed the playoffs for nine straight years one shy of the all-time record
1: yeah so it's
0: so they've been bad all this time
1: yeah for sure um so uh and then another kind of new story that i found out from elliot friedman um here was that uh, so, according to L.E. Friedman, so I mean, he is pretty, he's more reliable than Steve Simmons. Uh, we'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he said on his podcast uh, that he doesn't think that Botterell wanted to give Jack Eichel that contract and ownership Ownership said we're doing it. And I don't think Botterell wanted to give Jeff Skinner that deal. I think, uh, and then I think what Botterell wanted to do was offer big money for a low term. Um, and then Freeman said from what I've heard Botterell is not a term guy quote unquote he says too too many teams get burned by those mistakes and I think he was overruled I think what they're looking at right here is there's a finite amount of time here before Eichel says I had enough Um, so first off that's like I mean Botterell does have a point if this is all true Uh, of course like uh, that is, you know, long-term deals is what's killing the Kings, the Red Wings, the Blackhawks, and the Sharks, even. Um, but still, you think there there comes a point where, like, the GM does give you long-term... Like, they should be... Um, like, the GM should be more involved in that decision than just... The owner outright, like, uh, saying, like, no, we're not, we're just gonna give these guys long term. Um, yeah, so, and,
0: and like with Eichel and Skinner, it's a bit different because yeah. you need guys that will actually, true put fans, in the fans, which is kind of tough to do when you're losing all the yeah. time. So, like, with Eichel and Skinner, it was a bit different because these are guys that will draw in um, the people yep. that pay good money to come to your games that's
1: also a fair point too I mean obviously Skinner didn't have a disappointing season this year but he did Mm -hmm. have a really good season the year before that um so so they but like Eichel is someone that you should give long-term deals to um Skinner is a bit questionable now just because he had a bad season this year but um but it could it could work out for them in the long run if, if Skinner can uh like just had an aberration of a season last year, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. So I don't think necessarily long-term deals are something that changes, you know, your mind. But like when I'm looking at the Red Wings' uh, cap-friendly page, for instance, they're giving a lot of money to like Abdul Cater or um, or I think. No, Glenn Denning doesn't have a, a lot because of The Kaiser is a big one too. The Kaiser's another one, yeah. Um, I guess the better example would be the Blackhawks, because there's two that work is like you have Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze for long term um and high contracts. Um, but they're your two best players on the team for quite some time. So they're worth it. But then you have Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook. Who haven't uh, lived up to that contract. And that's when the Blackhawks are screwed in that regard. So um, it doesn't, long term, doesn't really give you a bunch of flexibility in that term. But now that I'm looking at the Sabres cap friendly page, they have a bunch of free agents right now. that are, which
0: works to their advantage which because works they are, don't right. have yeah. that much money, like tied exactly. in, like that. Either this outside of, um, outside of this year, the only forwards that have contracts are Jeff Skinner, Kyle Okposo, Jack Eichel, and Marcus Johansson. And yep. in 2021, Johansson is a free agent. Right. So it's technically just Skinner, Eichel, and Okposo beyond the next couple of years. The problem is. Reinhardt needs to be paid cents. now, and then next year, you'll have to pay Rasmus Dali. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, and also, Victor Olofsson is also an RFA, too. Yeah, so. that's
0: right. He, he's, he's a big he's part be of their one team, too, and yeah. you also need to look at your goalies as well.
1: Yeah, that's another one, too. But, like, um, and Olmark, yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. but like, so, that's, like, the good and the bad news is that, in terms of contract, it's really just Skinner and Eichel that are that costs a lot but like I think I since Eichel is like a top 15 player at least um he's worth that much whereas Skinner yeah. um <laughs> I don't think is I uh, consider that um so yeah uh, but yeah you're right Sam Reinhardt and Victor Olofsson are probably due to uh, get paid this year um and we'll see what they get but yeah um so but that brings us to our first question is how do we fix the Sabers? Um, will they ever turn it around with Eichel and Daleen as their franchise players? Yes, yeah, so th-
0: this this is a pretty interesting question because um, it feels like we've been asking this for years, mm-hmm. and we're still asking it because whatever they've done, it clearly hasn't worked. Um, for those wondering, though, Jason Broder lasted three years as GM of the Sabres, so on the bright side, he lasted longer than Paul Fenton did in Minnesota. He's yep. got that working for him. Um, but the the problem is I think bigger than management now because like for years, it was just like, oh, it, the roster's bad or oh, the coach is bad. We got the wrong coach or, or we got the wrong GM. Yeah. There's no scapegoats defending the Pagulas now. The Pagulas are front and center of the firing squad and there's there's nothing really that can defend them from any fan backlash. Like they're front and center now. Um, Like you take a look at um, Randy Sexton, who like Botterill had two years left on his um, contract beyond this year. Um, He's out along with Botterill. The other assistant GM is out. Chris Taylor, who has actually done a decent job coaching the Rochester Americans the past few years uh lost his job and uh i've heard from pierre mcguire that this is a guy that could be up for like a potential coaching spots in the nhl so like he's a pretty noble piece could actually do some good work and uh, he's out of a job so are both of his assistants and you you basically like cutted a lot of your franchise i don't know if it's cost-cutting measures um i I don't know if it's more of a case that, Oh, we'll let Kevin Adams, you know, bring in his guys. We trust him. Right. And that's, I, I feel like whatever they do, no matter how many times they roll the dice, it just hasn't worked out. And as, as a result, um, you continue to have a team that consistently doesn't make the playoffs. And, what kind of really aggravated me about all these changes is what happened three weeks prior because people forget the Sabres have uh, again, been a bad team in a 2014 playoff format. They're not even good enough to make that. Yeah. And on the day of this format being unveiled and realizing your season's over, Kim Pagula comes out and says, jason bottle's our gm our plan is to continue with him we have a little bit more information than maybe a fan does some inner workings we see some positives in not even a full month after that bottle is turfed. yeah so you already have trust issues with the fans you put that out and then you make the call that a lot of people were have been yelling for get rid of bottle now but it's just like if you're if if you're not if you're not fully committed to somebody, why are you saying, Oh yeah, they're, they're going to be around next year. Don't worry. He's fine. And, and then where gets out. Oh yeah. We're bringing in this, uh, senior VP of business administration, Kevin Adams, who, um, I, I checked to look at his cap friendly resume and outside of this job, he was assistant coach in Buffalo for like just under two years. He hasn't been an assistant general manager. What does a senior VP of business administration know about being the GM of a hockey franchise, especially a hockey franchise that has gone through now three GMs since they hit the rebuild button right. since you've been owner and you're still terrible. Like, yeah. This is the problem. Like, you need, you need an experienced guy, not someone that you think, oh, this guy could be good. You need someone that can get results. Like, what results are you looking at? The, the right. Sabres have no results. They, they – oh, actually, no, they've had results. They've been bad results, but they've had results, and they haven't been good. So, like, <laughs> the, 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 I can understand why Sabres fans are so pissed because they're they're just hoping for, for something good to happen to their team, and they deserve – To have some success because of what they've been going through but like you had a couple of solid months like you had teams like arizona constantly checking up with their players constantly checking with their coaching staff just being proactive like having discussions like beyond this year what's going to happen buffalo could have done that they could have been proactive and they could have realized maybe we could have made this decision sooner like don't wait until there's a return to play format. Don't wait until we know when the draft lottery is or when the draft is to realize okay, we might need to go in a different direction. And I think part of the reason why the Sabres are far behind the rest of the league is they've always been playing catch up with the rest of the league. And in my opinion, they're they're playing that game again and it hasn't worked out for them.
1: So, I I don't like I I agree that Uh, Pagula should be taking a bunch of the blame for this. Um, It's very clear that he doesn't really know what he's doing. However, I don't know if this is technically all Pagula's fault. Um, I think there is is some... I'm trying to think of how to word this because I, I, I think apparently I was seen online that the Sabers and the Canadians were playing um we're going to be playing that day after uh like uh just before the season got canceled mm-hmm. and if yep. the Sabers had two games yeah. in hand yep so if the Sabers had won that game that night they would have made the uh 24 team playoff instead of Montreal that, that year uh, this season so um, and if the Sabres had made the playoffs, I don't think Botterill is being fired. So um, I don't think they're necessarily playing catch-up. Um, I just think they're just in an unfortunate situation because, um, yeah, they probably wouldn't even have made the playoffs in the first place um, if, it, if this was a normal season. Um, and, right. and even if it wasn't a normal, like, and since it isn't a normal season – they still got screwed because they were they were like one point away from from making it um, into this twenty four teams thing. So that's also unacceptable, I guess, in a way. So I think they were just they were just thinking like, okay, Botterill has one more year, and if we make the playoffs, then we're gonna keep him, and if we don't make the playoffs, we're just gonna fire him because this isn't working out. So uh, they're still in difference, like so I think it's more that like they're in better shape than the Red Wings and the Senators are is my point so um I don't think they're necessarily like um obviously they're not like the best organization in the world um in terms of the NHL but I don't think they're like so like I don't think it's like a nightmare to to deal with for sure Um, speaking of the draft, if they win the lottery or even get the second round pick, they have Lafreniere and Byfield. So that's another person that can help, uh, Eichel and Darlene out, um, in the scheme of things, especially if you get Lafreniere, um, he would be a perfect winger for Jack Eichel, um, or the perfect, like, combo for them. So that would be a scary... Thing to deal with, so I think that would be you just have to hope that they win the draft lottery. So that's one way they would do it. Um, and even if they get Quinn and Byfield, they, they've been kind of wanting a second, um, a second line center for a while, too. So uh, that can also help in terms of for depth reasons, kind of like a Dry Settle and McDavid situation if they get Byfield with Eichel. So, so that could work too. Um,
0: yeah, uh, that 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 is an interesting point that you do bring up about the draft. The problem is that it seems to be their only way of getting better. Yeah. Because most of the transactions that Baderol has made have been short-term deals, and the only like significant deals that he gave out were Eichel and Skinner. Yep. Um. Now, to your point about Jack Eichel, um, I don't know for sure and neither of us know for sure if his comments after you found out that he's well, coming back we're I, gonna
1: get to eichel in a second but can yeah I, okay
0: so 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 we will bring that up
1: can but, i can i just um, finish when, my when point we, though and then i'll
0: yeah yeah so so we'll bring that up in a bit um but i do think i do think that um the amount of superstar power that buffalo stands to lose if the losing continues Yep. Um, is something they don't want to risk. And I do think that played a factor. But we'll get to that later.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think the other thing that we could, like, I was just looking at, like, a mock draft that, uh, I guess this is from draft site. So even if the Sabres get, um, get, like, just keep their spot at seven, um, they have them projected at Marco Rossi uh, getting them. So that's not too bad if they nope, end up getting Marco Rossi. So you have to consider that. You also have Dylan Cousins in the system, too, that they got last mm-hmm. year. Um, and, uh, and you know, we, we did that whole prospect thing. So And maybe Casey Middlestad figures it out, so that's another option as well. But yeah. um, So that's one way that they could fix this the Buffalo Sabres, and it could be as Soon as this year, um, if mm-hmm. if if all goes to fruition, uh, the other thing that um that would that needs to, that could happen um if they don't get Lefrenier or Byfield, um, in particular, is that they uh, they got a lot of defensemen, right-handed defensemen, in fact, last year in Colin Miller, Brandon Montour, and Henry Yukiaru. Um, but they already have a right-handed defenseman in Rasmus Ristolainen. I had thought that because of all those trades that they made last year, uh, they were going to. That meant that Ristolainen was going to be traded, but that mm. never happened. So I, I I wonder if they're gonna trade Rasmus Ristolainen. I think he still has some value um, to some team maybe not to the sabers especially when you have a guy like Rasmus Dahling on the squad um, so maybe you do trade Ristolainen and get someone back um, and and that could be another way of like getting um, something uh, even if it's just draft picks or, or prospects and stuff so um, that would be the other thing that I could think of in terms of how you fix them
0: yeah, I do think um, the fact that Rasmus Stalin is obviously a very, very good defenseman and they have a lot of good options on the right-handed side that could probably get the same amount of production as Ristolainen if they got more minutes. Um, I definitely think that makes him prime candidate for Trey Bate. Um, and, and he was Trey bait before yep. um, last season started to begin with, but um, I think if you wanted to get a couple of roster players that could help you out, or a couple of key prospects, draft picks, whatever. Um, without trading one of Skinner or Eichel. Um, probably ristolainen is the guy that unfortunately gets to be sacrificed. And um I, I know there was discussions of whether or not he wanted to be in Buffalo. Um, I think part of that has been worked out, and I think he's more open to the process. And the fact that Ralph Kruger has, is a good people person like a lot of um, that's, that's the one thing the Sabres got right a lot of people respect Ralph Krueger in that locker room a lot of the players love him and yeah. uh, they don't think he's the problem he's part of the solution so that works out to their advantage but at the end of the day Buffalo needs to get better somehow and they can't rely solely on the draft to do that because yeah. that's part of the reason why they're in this mess So yeah, yeah. I think Kristalainen is probably getting traded at some point
1: yeah, I think like the good news is is that you do have some good valuable assets to it. Obviously, you have Eichel and Darlene, um, who are both trans, you know franchise players, um, and then you have Sam Reinhardt, Jeff Skinner, um, and Victor Olafson who uh, before getting injured was like uh, what is I think the leading the uh, league in rookies and rookie scoring um, in points and stuff, even though I think most of those, those points were uh, on the power play, but still uh, the points are points, as they say. Yeah, so,
0: and I think that's part of what made him so valuable. Yeah. It's just like, wow, a guy that scores goals on the power play and his yeah. name is not Jeff Skinner? Yeah. Thank you.
1: Well, I think that's also part of the reason why Jeff Skinner didn't have a good season this year. Was because yeah. of the emergence of Oliverson, mm-hmm. but that's uh, neither here nor there. Um, I think also, so so you do have some valuable pieces, um, and it's not like you're starting from nothing like the Senators are, um, but um, at the same time, like their their goaltending situation, I'm not sure how they're going to fix that. Um, they still have so many right-handed defensemen and who knows how good they can be. So you have that to worry about as well. So um, yeah, so maybe they make some trades and and try to figure out how to fix their goaltending and, or maybe even, you know, fix their their, uh, defense as well. So that's where it comes to um, where it's unclear of how they're really gonna fix it, I guess. Kyle Poso, the only bad contract really is Kyle Ocposo, um, and I guess Ristolainen too, but uh, Kyle Poso only only has uh, three years left anyways um, at $6 million. So um, maybe, I don't think they'll find a suitor or someone willing to take on his contract, but um, I think that's like, so that. but that is also the good news is that that's pretty much the only really bad contract that they have there so they do have some something to work with uh for Kevin Adams so maybe maybe they figure it out somehow but um yeah you mentioned that Jack Eichel um was uh he was pretty critical publicly about it um in the past so I'll bring it up now he uh he was kind of I guess you could, I don't know the exact quotes, but I'm paraphrasing here. He's basically saying that he's exhausted from it, um, and he wants the Sabres to do better. Um, As soon as this happened, everyone was was thinking like, oh, is is Eichel going to be traded like Ryan O'Reilly was traded? Because Ryan O'Reilly did the same kind of thing before he got traded elsewhere. Um, And... You know, so I think that it's it's a pretty different situation from Ryan O'Reilly. Considering that Eichel is your best player um, and still only 23 years old, uh, he's a top 15 player. This is someone that you don't even tr- consider even trading. Um, it would be ridiculous to even think about it. Um, so I don't think he's getting traded. And... Um, I think it would be weird if he wasn't uh, complaining or at least wasn't uh, doing anything about that because, like, it just shows how much he cares about the team, that he wants to be a playoff team. He wants to be there. He wants to matter, but it's just not working. So it's frustrating. I understand why it's frustrating for Eichel, but he is not the problem at all.
0: Yeah, and I think if things continue to get worse in Buffalo, which I don't know if that's possible, um, then maybe we can do a Jack Eichel trade special where we think where he could go. um, Yeah, but I don't think that trade scenario would be. We're not there yet. That's not going to
1: happen, though. But yeah,
0: it's easy to see why Buffalo wants to avoid that, considering um, I think part of the reason why. they're not trigger happy with trading Jack Eichel is because they find out very quickly what happens when a good player like Ryan O'Reilly goes to a good team. He wins a Stanley cup right in year one, you know? So, so they don't want that to happen uh, with, with Eichel and they feel like he's part of the solution. And he also draws in fans, as I mentioned. So I was taking a look at Buffalo's attendance, not just this year across their history. So they averaged 16,000-plus fans per game for six straight years. This was from 75-76 to 1980-81. Hasek is in his prime. They averaged at least 17,000 per game for four straight campaigns from 1998-99 to 2001-2002. Buffalo neared an average of 18,000 before Hashik was dealt in the summer of 2001 to Detroit. After a few years of rebuilding, Sabres are good again and they averaged close to 17,000 fans per game in 2005-06, averaging no fewer than 17,000 fans per game since 06-07. That was the year my Ottawa Senators knocked them out of the playoffs in the conference finals. That's 14 straight seasons, with no fewer than 17,000 fans per game in the crowd. So there's somewhat of a good fan base there. Uh, And when things took a turn for the worse and another rebuild was on the horizon, the support was still there. For the most part. Um, they averaged at least eighteen thousand fans from oh six, oh seven to twenty seventeen, eighteen. That includes the years where they were very, very, very bad and Jack Eichel wasn't on the team. Right. And include the first few years of the Jack Eichel era where he probably helped the attendance a little bit. And it also takes into account uh in twenty fourteen-fifteen, that particular year, their average attendance was eighteen thousand five hundred and eighty-one. So that's eight over 18,500 per game like that's that's pretty crazy like there was a game against San Jose I remember where Buffalo was basically like snowed into their homes pretty much and still like 3,000 fans came out like that for, for given those circumstances that was a pretty impressive crowd the problem with Buffalo is where they're located because you have a lot of New York teams and a lot of teams surrounding that New York area there's the Islanders There's the devils there's the Mm -hmm. rangers there's the penguins and there's the flyers you also have the toronto maple leafs that uh are everywhere everywhere you probably see at least one maple leaf uh, fan in attendance even if their team isn't playing you can't stop other fan bases obviously from buying tickets to games so while the fans might be pouring in no guarantees they are all your fans uh, and when it comes to attendance percentage, they fail to escape the NHL's bottom 10 for a good chunk of this rebuild. So if you get rid of Jack Eichel, what is that attendance going to look like? And I think that's what the Pagulas are fearing, that if Jack Eichel in some way, shape, or form uh, decides to leave in free agency or gets traded, Buffalo will just say, that's it. We're done. Good luck getting any money out of me. And you'll start to see a very steep decline in attendance like the Sens have, but their situation is, is unique, and there are a lot of other scenarios that play into that. That's a story for another day. When I look at Jason Bodrell and the signings that he made, um, he dished out an average of four point seven to $4.8 million per year per player that he signed. He signed 63 players, spent close to $300 million. Here's the thing with that, and I mentioned it before, the major long-term deals that he ex- that he sent out were to Jack Eichel and to Jeff Skinner. And the cap hit on Skinner is nine million, the cap hit on Eichel is ten. So out of close to three hundred million, hundred and fifty-two million was spent on those two players alone. And the longest contract he signed outside of those guys was Carter Hutton to three years. Obviously, I'm not taking into account Dylan Cousins and Rasmus Dalin because their three-year entry-level contracts, like most prospects get, um, right now in terms of cap space, the Sabres have about eight hundred and fifty-seven thousand dollars, with two point one six million stored in the long-term injured reserve slot. And if if they if they can't if they can't improve upon their team with the cap shrinking a little bit and with Eichel's capic growing uh, growing up, going up in terms of, like, cap percentage, um, it's going to be tough to build a winner there. So I say at least 12 to 24 months, they're going to do what they can to win with Jack Eichel. But if they think there is a trade out there that will make them a better team, I don't know if it's going to make them a better team, but, like, they can contend with those pieces at least – and be a good hockey team. I think it becomes more realistic at that point where Jack Eichel might get traded, but I don't think they've reached that point where okay, he's getting traded.
1: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's getting traded either. Um, uh, and also, t- to your point, I think it's it's tough um, with uh, just because of him making ten million dollars. Obviously, if, for a guy like Jack Eichel, he's worth every cent of that, that contract. Mm-hmm, so yeah. so you'd be willing to pay it, but that also means it's harder to trade. I was also looking here that in the 2022-2023 season uh, to the end of his contract, which is um, in 2026, um, he has a no-movement clause. So, uh, so that makes it even harder to trade him. If, if, it if should also be
0: that. noted that uh, jeff Skinner also has that clause yeah so that's a good point too even harder to trade him if they yeah.
1: wanted to so i don't so yeah i don't think um you know i mean i've i've been more like i don't think it even makes sense to trade him i mean even if the sabers do have an, a couple more bad seasons i just i just don't think it really makes sense to trade a guy like that. Uh, to your team, it would be like um, the Oilers trading McDavid. Um, I feel like uh, that that is the equivalent. Obviously, Eichel isn't McDavid level, but I think Eichel is a franchise player um, and someone that you don't you don't trade unless you can get like a a ransom um, out of him. But who knows? Um, what you could do especially with that high of a contract so um, it
0: it, it reminds me a little bit of where the senators were at with eric carlson and at that point they had made the decision that that rebuilding was the best way forward but even still i'm thinking okay if you're gonna rebuild you can still rebuild with carlson and be a good team i think that was the rhetoric amongst a lot of send supporters is that okay we'll rebuild so long as we keep eric carlson we'll be back in the playoffs before we know it and then carlson gets traded and on i think the the one thing that's probably going to determine the future of eric carlson is his health and that's unfortunate because when he's at full strength we know how good he is and they've gotten some good key pieces out of that trade that could potentially turn into something good for ottawa so Again, I guess it depends on the return and what you stand to get, but the last thing you want to do is spinning your tires in the mud, just waiting for something to happen, and just wasting prime years of, like, Mark Stoner, Eric Carlson, and Matt Duchene, and I think that's part of the reason why uh, a lot of those veterans were traded out of town, Yeah, is because they wanted to build a contender for years to come, and they realized Maybe by going younger, that would get them a longer shelf life for success, as opposed to keeping Carlson and Stone and Duchesne and rolling the dice on like two years to win the Stanley Cup. Okay. So I, I guess it, it all depends. But I think part of keeping the fan base in check is trust with the ownership. And that's something that Sens fans don't have with their ownership. And right now, probably the Sabres don't have with theirs.
1: So, um, well, so first off, we're going to verge away from talking about the Sens too much. Um, but um, I will say, though, that the main difference between what the Sens were going through and what the Sabres are going through right now is that Jack Eichel is 23 years old. Um, Sam Reinhardt yeah. is 24 years old. Rasmus yeah. Dahlin is even younger than that. He is 20 years old. Um, so uh, those are pretty much your core players. I mean, I guess Jeff Skinner as well. 28 and Victor Olsson is 24, but it's still, to my point, whereas like Mark Stone, Eric Carlson, they're all in. The, they were all in their late 20s, um, early 30s. So, um, so these are players that. Um, like you were mentioning just at the start of of your talk just then, is that, okay, if you're going to rebuild, fine, but Eichel will help you with that too, Um, because he is also 23 years old. But if you're, you know, if you're going to rebuild too, then you have, you know, if you want to make some trades, you just, Eichel will help you with, with that aspect of things too, so... It just wouldn't make sense to to trade him, um, at all. Um, even I was, in two I was years,
0: more, I was also thinking like more down like three to four years if this yeah. continues. But but even yeah, you're but right. even
1: but even three or four years down the line, that's that's when he's twenty six years old. <laughs> you know, he's he's <laughs> still he's still pretty young, relatively speaking. So it's not yeah. like, um, it's it's that that drastic or something. Whereas. For Eric Carlson or Matt Duchesne or Mark Stone, they're they're going to be in their thirties three or four years down the line, so it is a little different in that in that regard. Um, let's go to uh, how would we grade Botterell's performance as a GM? Um, so I looked, I took a look at the a bunch of the trades that he's made, um, and then I I also found the draft picks from the last three years when he was the GM there. So. Um, the trades, uh, so he was, uh, his, so this was the 2018 off season or the, during the trade deadline was when he, he took over in 2017 in October. He didn't do a ton. Um, but then during the trade deadline that year, he sent Evander Kane to the sharks for a 2019 conditional first round pick and Daniel O'Regan and a 2020 fourth round pick. So the 2024th round pick hasn't happened yet, but that 2019 conditional first round pick was the Ryan Johnson pick. Um, I guess the Sharks also made a trade to get um, with the, with the Blues. or the Sabres made a trade with the blues or something like that. I guess, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that was a 2019 conditional first round pick. Um, so that, was interesting. Oh, and then Ryan O'Reilly uh gets traded uh to the Blues uh for Vladimir Sabotka, Patrick Berglund, Tage Thompson, a 2019 first round pick and a 2021 second round pick. Oh, I guess that 2019 first round pick was um Ryan Johnson um yeah anyway. so
0: so to clarify February 26 2018 the Vander <laughs> Kane trade, um that pick was Braden Tracy which was traded to Anaheim when Buffalo got Brandon Montour. So Buffalo didn't even get that pick.
1: Got it. Okay. Um, Then, uh, so, but like, anyways, that Ryan O'Reilly trade was pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I don't even, like, Sabatka, I think, didn't even, like, return, like, didn't even play in Rochester or something. Um, Well, so, so the thing was,
0: the thing was earlier in the season, like his first season, Bergland left the team and didn't come back.
1: I see. So, so that
0: kind of started the end. like Sabak has been decent, but like he hasn't been great and Thompson's all right. And Brian Johnson might be okay. And that 2021 second, Uh, Went from Buffalo to Vegas in the Collar Miller trade, and then went to LA in the Alec Martinez trade. So now it's with the Kings. So they
1: don't even have that pick. Wow. Uh, So uh, so yeah, the Ryan O'Reilly, and then and also meanwhile Ryan O'Reilly's in uh, one a cup and one of the best two way forwards in the game right now. So yeah, and uh, oddly
0: enough, Botterill spent seven hundred and seventy five thousand dollars to say goodbye to Ryan
1: O'Reilly yeah that's a good point
0: because he took on the money from the
1: depth guys that he got true um but the good news is that they kind of they did fleece the hurricanes and they got jeff skinner um and they traded a cliff poo 2019 second round pick a 2020 third round pick and a 2026 round pick um so uh yeah they they did get a fleecing out of out of jeff skinner um he didn't have a great year this year but uh he did have 40 goals last year so that's nothing to sneeze at either um and maybe he'll be back and, and bounce back this year. I I still believe in him though. Uh, we will see. Um, it's it's, it's yeah. odd
0: that he goes from Ryan O'Reilly to Jeff Skinner in a couple of months. Yeah. And, and then pays Jeff Skinner 9 million while O'Reilly's making less than that and he won a couple of the blues. It's yeah. I still think, like, okay, you got Jeff Skinner, but Ryan O'Reilly has done a lot of good things without you, so yep. I don't know how much of a win that is, especially when you consider that um, oh, Skinner's sure. AAV was the same as Evander Kane before he signed his extension with San yeah. Jose.
1: So for sure, I, I he guess. Basically, he kind of yeah.
0: kind of exchanged key players. That's all he did.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, you obviously, you would rather have Ryan O'Reilly than Jeff Skinner, but at the same time, Jeff Skinner is a was a forty goal scorer that year, um, mm. and uh, that's nothing. And that, that's
0: probably what they need. More was goals.
1: Yeah, and that's probably better than anything that Tage Thompson, Vladimir Sabaka or Patrick Berglund will ever be. So, um, so yeah. I think it, it is somewhat of a consolation prize, even though they're separate trades. Um, yeah. Then he gets a Brandon Montour for Brandon Gould in um, a 2019 first-round pick, which, as you mentioned, turned into Braden Tracy. Um, and then he gets uh, – oh, and then he trades away Nathan Pouliou as well. Um, and then during the summer is when he kind of gets pretty crazy, where he gets Colin Miller and Henry Yokiaru. uh He trades away Alex Nylander to the Blackhawks. Um, and then for Colin Miller, it was a 2021 second-round pick and a 2022 fifth-round pick. Um, oh, and he also gets Jimmy VC as well. Um, and then he, uh, yeah, that was the other. That was the big news in the off season. But I think the bigger issue was is that when you get Brandon Montour, Jimmy, um, and Colin Miller and Henry Okyaru, who are all right-handed defensemen, and you don't trade any right-handed defensemen out. Um and when you have a perfectly good defenseman, um, right-handed defenseman in Rasmus or Stalin, it's kinda like, oh, so now you have an overload of right-handed defensemen all of a sudden, um, and they didn't really make a trade to address that. So um so that, that's where it gets a little strange. Um then he gets uh Wayne Simmons and Dominic Calhoun for Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez. Um, over this trade deadline, this upcoming one. Oh, he also gets Michael Froleek as well, and he trades away Marco Scandella. Um, that was another move he made. So overall, I would give him, like, a C, I think, um, in terms of a trade deadline. Um, and then in terms of drafting stuff, I mean, it's I think Casey Middlestead has looked good, but it's still tough to judge um, just because I think development wise he needs to be better but it's still tough to see um, it's still the jury's not out yet per se Rasmus Dallin it's hard to really um, you know miss on that because he was the first overall pick by far that year um, and then you get D- Dylan Cousins and Ryan Johnson uh, still since that was uh, that happened last year in the draft. It's hard to really judge yet on on how they are as players um, in the NHL yet. But um, just looking at his draft stuff, like there's Uko, Pekka, Lukonen, Matai, Pekar, I think uh, also could be pretty good. But um, yeah, so I think overall in terms of the draft, it's hard to miss. On Darlene and Cousins, um, and Middlestadt even, but maybe the uh, the late rounds one So that's also a C I'd give him. And then in terms of free agent signings, Jeff Skinner was the big one, um, but he shouldn't have been like a long term contract. There's also Marcus Johansson, and um, yeah, and Carter Hudden was another one. Um, so, uh, yeah, those, those are all kind of, I would just say. So I think I'd, I'd give Botterell a C in that regard too. So I guess overall, uh, from, if you consider the draft, the free agency and the trades, I'd give him a C overall.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say, I'd say that's a fair, um, assessment I'd probably be generous and just give him a C C+. Um but yeah just just the the big pet peeve I have of the Scandela trade is he goes to Montreal then Montreal trades him for a fourth and they get a second out of him. So it's like yeah. you, you got rid of a you gave um you got a fourth out of Montreal so they can take Scandela off your hands. You trade that fourth to Calgary like literally seconds later for Mikhail for a leak and Montreal turned Scandella into a second and a fourth from St. Louis, and the conditional pick they get is the fourth, not the second. St. Louis was willing mm. to give Montreal a second round pick for Marco freaking Scandella, and they got the fourth when, when Scandella signed a four-year extension with the Blues, so <laughs> that that's probably what Buffalo fans uh, have a problem with in, in that regard. Um, you also have um you also have uh, the decision where um, Robin Leonard was not given a qualifying offer and they give Carter oh, out yeah, three years. Yeah. That was on Botterill too. Um, granted, Forgot about that. Robin Leonard had a lot of stuff going on True, and maybe it wasn't worth the hassle for Buffalo to deal with that and the Islanders were very proactive and they yeah. helped him uh, get through That is things. That is like a, and,
1: a hindsight bias type thing where, where like now he's a great player but you're right he. We didn't know that he was going to be that good um Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and and like and and he didn't have i I don't think he remembered his time in buffalo fondly so i i don't i don't really put the bullseye on bottle for that that was a complex situation but um the fact that rodriguez was open to a change of scenery that bogosian didn't want to go to rochester after he was scratched and then waved Um, And then Lawrence Pilu opted for the KHL um, before Botterill was fired as well. Um, The fact that Buffalo had a negative rap sheet kind of went against Botterill there. So um, I think that's a bit of a strike against him, rightly or wrongly. Um, In terms of of, uh, how his drafting went, um, I was looking at... The opinions of a lot of sabers fans on twitter and some of them are just like you know second round picks don't really excite me and uh, going through their second round picks i can kind of see why uh granted Lukanen could turn into something good for them but if you look at someone like marcus davidson who in 2017 was drafted 37th overall in the second round uh jason robertson uh goal scorer The potential to be a goal scorer in the NHL was drafted two picks later. He went to the Dow Stars. Um, Alex Tessier went 45th overall. Alex Formanton went forty-seventh. Oh wow. Uh, Max Comtois, Jack Stanika, Ian Mitchell also went in that draft. So they probably could have taken a lot of other picks. Um, you look into the later rounds, um, they selected this guy named Jacob Bryson in the fourth round in 2017. Um Drake Batherson was drafted in the later stages of round four. There's a lot of hype around him. Uh, you look at uh, 2018. Um, they selected Matias Samuelson, 32nd overall, the second round pick in 2018. Um, you had guys like Alex Romanoff, Scott Perinovich, Akil Thomas, Bode Wild, Kalen Addison, Kevin Ball going in the later stages of that second round. Um, after he drafted Bakar in the fourth round. John Gruden went immediately after to Ottawa. Um, and then uh, you look at um, his decision to select uh, Linus Lindstrand Cronholm later in the fourth round of 2018. And a few picks later, the Hawks selected Philip Kurashev. So it's it's all about those later picks um, right. that the Sabres probably could get. It, it, they have, like, the Euler syndrome where, like, like, okay they have some picks around one but after that what do they have
1: yeah like,
0: by picking Ryan Johnson 31st overall in 2019 for example Arthur Calia was available Raphael Lavoie was available Shane Pinto Bobby Brink Igor right. of Nick Robertson they were all there and Buffalo took Ryan Johnson instead yeah so like when you look at offensive hype with a lot of these players they're really rolling the dice when they could have taken some other names that right now have the potential to be significant NHL players. And when you look at where Buffalo is in the standings, their ability to draft outside of the first round has really, really hurt them. It hurt them when Jason Botterell was GM and it hurt them when Tim Murray was the GM. So it's it's not like a Jason Botterell problem. This is a problem that has been happening for many years in Buffalo. So that definitely yeah. worked against him, too.
1: Yeah, you may have hit on something, actually, that uh, that's a good point. When I'm looking at their draft history, it's like, oh, okay. Like, they did have good first-round picks or, off, like, players in hindsight makes sense, especially for, like, a Casey Middlestead or Alex Nylander. It's like, okay, they were projected to be that way, but... Yeah, when you look at every other thing, you're like, oh, wow, okay. Um, I will say, though, in 2014, they did draft Brandon Lemieux in the second round, and then they got Victor Olsen in the seventh round. So that turned out good for them, but yeah, you're you're right. Oh, and they also drafted J.T. Comfer in 2013 and Cal Peterson. Wow, okay. So... Um, yeah, I'm
0: guessing the reason Confers not on their team is because he went to Colorado when yeah. they got some guy named Oh yeah, Ryan O'Reilly.
1: And they also traded uh, Nikita Zadarov as well. They also drafted him too. Um, yeah,
0: I think he was also a part of that trade because I think Renko team. was a part of that deal yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah right. there are a lot there are a lot of notable prospects uh, in that O'Reilly yeah. deal to Colorado. But maybe Steve Dangle like, will do a and,
1: trade tree there.
0: Yeah, like, there are some some, uh, decisions, like I will say in hindsight, where, like, it's only with hindsight that you can, like, really pick apart. It's just like, oh, you could have taken this guy. But in the case of, like, the Ryan Johnson pick or the Casey Milstead pick, it was blatantly obvious who you were passing on to get this guy. Right. And you better hope this pick turns out to be good because um, if those other picks are good and this pick isn't, you look very, very bad.
1: So maybe that's probably a, a big reason why twelve of the uh, twelve of their scouts also left or are not fired too. Yeah, up, up two, yeah so. maybe
0: maybe it's because the Pagulas thought they were a part of the problem, which I'm sure they were doing their best, but yeah. sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know. And, and you're it's, right
1: it's that that it point. has been like a plague on the Oilers as well. But the only mm-hmm. the big the bigger difference is that the Oilers have like really good first round picks yeah when, like they're there as one yeah and like well two. actually two yeah yeah Michael um,
0: and Dalene. that's it pretty
1: much whereas like well the and the Oilers like five of their best players are all first round picks so yeah uh,
0: and some of them are first overall picks
1: yeah so um maybe even six actually now that I think about it but um well, in but, terms
0: yeah. of first overall picks that panned out, there's Nugent Hopkins, there's McDavid, and oh, you just happen to have the look of the Irish when you get Leon Drysital, yeah. like fourth or fifth overall. Like, but
1: you also have uh, you also have Clefbaum, who was a first round pick, and you had Darnell yeah. Nurse, and you have uh, Yamamoto. is another one. So, yeah. um, so that's like that's six of their players, and they're all going to be a big part of their future um, in the coming years. So. Um, especially dry and, and McDavid. Um, okay. And then we have our last question, which I think is kind of a simple question here. Was this the right call? Yes. Yeah. I think you so
0: too. At, you, you look at the reaction from fans. Yeah. They were screaming for change. Caller Dwayne had enough long before this. Um, his fellow Sabres fans had yeah. enough when, uh, when Botterill, um, was basically given that quote-unquote vote of confidence that lasted three to four weeks. Yeah. Um, Jack Eichel's sick of losing. We all know that. We knew that before. And I think the time was now to make a decision when you have the ability to change course, when you have so many guys that you don't have committed contracts to beyond these few years, when you have a decent draft class coming up, before you can make any changes to your team if you have to make a change now's the time to do it the way they went about the the way they went about this change and the several changes um that ensued hours later that is where i question the pagoulas here um because they could have handled things a lot better and a lot more differently than they could have they didn't have to give bottle a vote of confidence they could have just said we're going to talk to jason in a couple of weeks we're gonna have some some good dialogue and um and and we'll see where we're at you know i don't think i i think that would have been a better route to go is to say oh yeah he's our guy and then three weeks later actually we got this other guy that's gonna call the shots now.
1: right yeah i think this was the right call and especially when you see like there was a a funny parody song on youtube uh where it was uh like, we are never ever gonna make the playoffs, yeah. Um, and and one shout of out the to Melody
0: Martin, that was yeah. that was a great, fantastic, great, job.
1: great uh, great YouTube video. Um, yeah. and uh, a lot of it was like just hating on Botterell. Um, and then she had a subsequent one where she was laughing at all the J- Jack Eichel trade offers, yeah. Um, and what the interesting thing was when I was watching that, I was like. I was laughing with her too, and then I was thinking like, Bonnerol might be crazy enough to actually trade Jack Eichel. So, yeah. so, so, so yeah, I think that's that's evidence enough that I think it was the right call to do that. Um, and yeah, they they probably Pagula is probably the problem. The scouts are probably the problem too. But um, yeah, I think it was the right call to to tr- to trade uh, Bonnerol. I think especially with that. Ryan O'Reilly, one that's kind of yeah. the one that uh, he'll never live down, even if yeah, he does that, get another job. So uh, yeah, yeah.
0: The, the the thing The thing with the Pagulas as well that I wanted to add: Terry Pagula says it felt like we weren't being heard when Barrow was the GM, and I'm just thinking, okay, um, maybe Jason bottle isn't the best GM out there, but yep. he is the GM and he calls the shots and I think sometimes you really gotta trust his gut and if you're gonna bring in a guy that's just gonna say yes to everything that you want, that's also not good Right. because that's a good point. not all GMs are gonna listen to the owners as to what they want to do because maybe what the owners have in mind isn't what wins championships and what they've done has. Yep. So if you're just gonna bring in Kevin Adams because he's gonna do whatever the heck you want him to do
1: <laughs> That's not going to be good. Thing.
0: Proven that I'm not so sure the Pagulas are the right people to be the owners of the team. So yeah. like I don't necessarily know if it's a good thing to have someone that'll just say yes to everything that you want. Especially
1: if these reports are true that uh Botterill didn't want to have any long-term contracts um and was overruled by the Pagulas. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, you do bring up a good point. It makes you wonder what I guess it will be evidence to see what they do this off season, with especially with Sam Reinhart and um, yeah, and Olofson as well. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh, it's one of our shorter episodes now, <laughs> We're an hour long. Um, well, we
0: did we did cover a lot
1: though. We did cover a lot. Um, it is funny though because we uh, when we were talking about the draft and the prospects, I was like. Oh yeah, we talked about this guy. Oh, we talked about this guy. Um, so it did help us that way. But um, all right, that that about does it for us though. Um, you can list. You're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes or Spotify. So uh, subscribe there if you haven't already. Um, you're also. Uh, you should also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, our Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Our Facebook is just Lace' em up. Um, and that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff.
0: I'm Steve Elert. We'll talk again in episode 225 of the Lacecing Up Podcast.